and we are starting with Sadness Hour this episode. Mm. Two straight weeks in a row, Cole. Off to a great start here. Um, you're happy. I'm fine. I'm not happy. I mean, Southern shouldn't have scored against us, but beggars can't be choosers, so... Brother, what was the final score? I think it was like 65-17. Yeah, I don't want to hear it. Your third, when they scored, yeah, your, 65-17. When they scored, your four strings were out there. All right? Those yeah. were all the walk-ons at yeah. that point. That team was a walk-on. Yeah. Don't talk to me about... I, uh, I'm extremely distraught. All right? I mean, between week one and this week, I'm extremely distraught. I'm I'm sure. I mean, that's that's two games that you Kansas you definitely should not have lost to. Nope. Um, Pitt. I know that Pitt was the Pitt game champion. mattered to West Virginia fans, mm-hmm. but it doesn't matter in the grand scheme of things. Nope. Not for Kansas. Kansas definitely did. And um, yep. if y'all were not watching, hell officially did freeze over because Kansas is now leading the Big 12. This is, Cole, this is two weeks in a row that a bottom feeder team is now 2-0 and and was leading. Uh, Vandy last week was leading the SEC East, and Kansas now leads the Big Go 12. Vandy. <laughs> I... This is crazy. What this is 2007 all over again? Except West Virginia is not on the the good side this time. They're on the raw. They got the raw end of the deal this time. Oh Lord of mercy! I'm not. This go for it. Yep. <laughs> I'm Owen Spelnick. <laughs> My name's Cole Connor, and this is sadness episode part two of the Panther Pod. We'll get to my sadness later on in the episode. Right now, we're going to get to other people's sadness that happened during this week. First well, of all, other people's sadness, and then we're also covering some very intense upsets. Um, I think we saw, what, five or six across the week? Yeah, and really should have been... Um, more. Really should have been more. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to be honest. Because there should have been at least one more upset. <laughs> at least one more upset. You know, would have resulted in me memeing Alabama all all week and weekend. But um, if you remember last week, though, we were Alabama fans <laughs> because we did not want to see Texas win this game. No, and then that changed for me midway through the third quarter when I realized that Texas had a shot. Fair Actually, enough. it changed for me up until what the last minute forty. When you realized, oh, this is a possibility now. Yeah, Texas can actually win this game and upset Alabama. But see, I was really ready for Texas to get steamrolled at by Alabama because that would obviously make me feel better Yeah, walking into Austin. But now I feel even more or less confident. I feel great. I'm sure you do. I mean, Alabama is barely beating Texas 20-19. to 19. Um. Makes me excited for our matchup against them in Death Valley. Yep. This year, um, do we see upset of the year in Death Valley against Alabama? I would hope so. Or do they lose before they come into Death Valley? You know, I I, I think they could 
possibly lose in Death Valley. Um, question that we got in that relates to the subject, a listener of ours, shout out Jackson Nicholson, um, who's a devout Oklahoma fan. Mm. So he asked this question. He says, is Texas good or has Bama just lost its magic? I think it's a – as soon as we say Alabama has lost its magic, they're going to go undefeated through the rest of the year. I don't think they've lost their magic. I think that was a tough road environment for yes. Alabama. Absolutely. Um, and I think, too, like it's very well possible but that Alabama as a team underestimated Texas severely. I think everyone underestimated Texas. Uh, yeah, everybody. Except for the coaches. Yes, except and for Texas. Texas fans. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I just with this whole Texas thing is – Alabama does not did not look like the same Alabama team that we've seen under no. the Nick Saban era. This this by by far this set a record. This game set a record this year for most penalties within a single game for the Nick Saban era. Fifteen penalties. That's insane. Fifteen penalties Alabama committed. Um, and also Alabama. You know, was given a few penalties in their favor. Uh, how about that roughing the passer call in the end zone? That should have been a safety. There's that was not even close to roughing the passer. You know why? Because um, oh, that's right. Bryce Young still had the football. Yeah, no, it, it was not roughing the passer. And but it is what it is. It was rather a rather fairly even game in total in total offensive yards. Alabama had three seventy four. Texas had three seventy one. Texas, oddly enough, had almost 300 passing yards compared to Alabama's 213. Yeah, but they also – that was split amongst Hudson Card and Quinn Ewers. Um, and But here's the thing, though, is Hudson Card took most of those snaps yeah. because Quinn Ewers goes out in the first quarter. Now, I'll ask you this, Cole. If Quinn Ewers doesn't go out, does Texas win that game? Do they win it a little bit more comfortably? I think Texas I think Texas's odds improve if Quinn Ewers stays in that game. I don't think they win comfortably. I think that instead of a field goal to win, it's a touchdown. Okay. To tie the game going or in that last possession for Alabama. And I mean if that's the case, then yeah, Texas wins the game. Um I don't think it's it's a blowout or no 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 like no no more than when I 10 say comfortably points. I mean Alabama has to score a touchdown yeah. or more or at least yeah. ten points that's what I mean by comfortably yeah no I think if Quinn Ewers stays in that game uh, we're talking about a higher ranked Texas team and a lower ranked Alabama team this yeah. week um, I I mean. I was I was impressed with how well Texas did. I was impressed with that Texas secondary. I and was definitely impressed with the Texas uh, front seven too. Yeah, their defense well, was phenomenal. Their defense was was much improved this year, but Alabama's offensive line was just mauling that front seven yeah. there for a little while as well. Oh, in the first half. Yes. In the first half, half absolutely, and that's where Alabama really won the game was on the ground because they held Texas to only 79 rushing yards while Alabama had 161, yeah. which is low, I would say, for an Alabama team, but still. Well, I mean, their leading rusher didn't break 100. Uh, neither one, Bijan Robinson or Jace McKellen, neither one broke 100. 
Um, they both had one rushing touchdown. Jace McKellen got a majority of his yards after an 81-yard long jaunt. Mm-hmm. Um, and that basically sealed the game for Alabama. Um, definitely Alabama's passing attack needs to improve, especially coming into conference play. And I'm not saying that SEC is better than everyone, which granted I'll probably be saying that later on when I'm talking about the LSU <laughs> game. But right now, I mean, obviously SEC is – the powerhouse of the SEC is showing that SEC can be beaten in football. Absolutely. So Well, I, I, I don't think that their passing game needs to improve much. I just think that Bryce Young, Bryce Young is a Heisman winning quarterback. Yeah. I think their passing game is going to be fine. I just – I still think that they were not prepared for that Texas secondary. I mean, Bryce Young was sacked I don't know how many times, was hurried I don't know how many times, but stood in there like a champ. Yeah. Like that final drive to close it to close out the game. Um, um, Texas posted two sacks. Two sacks, okay. Yeah. But that final drive to close out the game for Alabama – I mean, Bryce Young did everything he could to get his team in a winning position. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I, w- I was impressed with Bryce Young's performance. I was impressed with Texas's import, uh, performance, which I hate to admit because, you know, horns down. down. For sure. <laughs> um, but I just – Yeah, we, we've said Texas a lot, so I'm just – I'm going to go ahead and do another one. Uh, horns horns down. Texas. There Exus. you go. Thank you. <laughs> um but you know what's really cringy, though, Cole, is Alabama players giving the horns down to Texas fans <laughs> after you barely beat them by one point. Did like, you see Nick struggled. Saban's reaction to yes, that? Yes, I did. Don't <laughs> We can't say it we can't on say here. It. Don't do that crap. Don't do yeah. that crap. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. No, As I'm, he's running out to shake Sarkeesian's hand. That's yeah. hilarious. Yeah. Al- uh, Nick Saban almost went in the last two games that he – or in the last three games no, 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 I'm sorry. In the last two games against his former assistants, Nick Saban almost went 0-2. Very close. Very close. He's 1-1, but... Yeah. Um, but, yeah, this makes me very nervous for West Virginia walking into Austin. However, Quinn Ewers will be out during that game, hopefully. We'll see. Now, I, now I don't wish injury upon him, but I'm saying he doesn't... It improves I, your chances of winning the game. It improves my chances. Yeah. It improves my chances. We hope for a speedy recovery for yes. Quinn Ewers after the West Virginia After game. the West Virginia game, please play as much as you want, unless West Virginia makes it to the Big 12 championship. But uh, mm, I'm going to keep my comments to myself yeah, on keep, that one because I don't feel like getting slapped. Uh, yep. Uh, <laughs> next up, Tennessee versus Pitt. Tennessee takes Pitt all the way down into overtime. Um Another great game this weekend. So glad that the Pitt Panthers finally fail. Oh yeah, I, this brings Tennessee's record to two and zero. Pitt falls to one and one. Splitting their early season home games. I think Pitt's on a road stand for the next two three weeks. Something like that. I think. Yeah. Um, Hooker. Absolute monster. Yes. At quarterback. Absolutely. 325 for two touchdowns, 27 for 42. Outplayed Keaton Slovis. Oh, yes. 195, one touchdown, one interception, 14 for 24. 
rushing game. Ugh. <laughs> but that's that's what something that that Pitt's head coach has said is they wanted to focus more on that ground game this year, along with Frank Signetti, who said that they are they're mo- they're more focused on running the ball this year than they are the air raid. They want a more ground and pound, old school type of offense, which makes sense. But at the same time, you have to, you know, you have to have some kind of threat there to space out the field and give you those down-the-field gains mm-hmm. in the rushing attack. So, we'll see. And it's not like you can run the ball. Well, I mean, if you're West Virginia, you can run the ball four times in the fourth quarter with two minutes left. But anyway. Um, <laughs> this mic stand's about to come hurling at your head. That's fine. And um, you won't remember who threw it. I mean. There'll be, there'll be four people sitting in this room. I won't remember who threw it, but I will always remember who threw that late-game interception <laughs> against Kansas. Anyway, back to Tennessee and Pitt. You can do this episode by yourself. <laughs> You'd Don't. be doing the exact same thing to me if LSU lost to Southern. You'd be doing much worse. Oh, yes. No, I for sure would. Or Vanderbilt, for that yeah, matter. Yeah, yeah. Um, but no, uh, Texas's rushing attack was fairly weak. Pitts wasn't. Ten- or Texas, excuse me. Tennessee, still orange tea, same difference. Um, <laughs> Tennessee's rushing attack was fairly weak. Pitts wasn't, but Tennessee came out the victors. I think Tennessee's defense is much improved. They demonstrated that this week. Yep. Um, Still gave up over 415 yards offense. But registered four sacks and 16 QB hurries. Yeah. That's – you're not losing football games like that. No, absolutely not. And that's something that uh, Josh Heupel was also very high on this year was that front seven for Tennessee and very bullish about their their rushing defense. Yeah. So – I was impressed. I'm very glad Tennessee won this game. So glad Tennessee won this game. Go Vols. Um, and, uh, yeah, took them into overtime. What a tense game. One of the only few cheers that came from that West Virginia crowd the other night. Oh, when the, uh, when the score? When the score. Well, though, it was being played on the Jumbotron, uh, I think, like, not during halftime, but towards kind of the end of the game. Um, pro- I think it was towards uh, during one of the uh, media breaks or whatever that they have out on the field. Uh, it was played, and they saw where Tennessee won. So, great game for the Vols. Offense looked phenomenal. Defense has looked much improved. They're going to be a threat this year in the SEC East. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Next up, BYU Baylor. I stayed up till 2 a.m. watching this game last night. I didn't. <laughs> I watched the highlights this morning. I, I stayed up. Well, I stayed up till 2 a.m. 2 a.m. unintentionally because I was watching it. I figured BYU would kick the field goal, hit the field goal, and then it'd be over with and BYU wins the game. Nope, BYU misses the field goal. Baylor then marches it on down the uh, march. Uh, Baylor then, I'm sorry. Baylor then takes it to overtime. They kick the field goal. They miss the field goal. BYU then goes into overtime. They go overtime again. They go to kick the field goal, miss the field goal again. So that game went on a lot longer than I would expect. Um, 
Did you see BYU storm the field? Yes, I did. I, I see of blue right that's, there. That's the time when you upset number nine in the country mm-hmm. to storm the field. Absolutely. Absolutely. And they jumped uh, nine spots in the rankings. Yeah. They went from 21st to 12th. Yeah. That is well utter- deserved. Yes, absolutely. Utterly insane. And Baylor didn't play a bad game. No. Um, but I was right. I was right last week. I told you their defense was going to be gassed. You were? And I, I, because the offense can, can change its pace. You know, the offense determines its own pace. So I knew, so I figured that defense is really what was going to be an issue. One highlight that I did see, um, that I do want to touch on Chase Roberts. Yes. On that trick play. Yeah. That was, that was filthy. That was, yeah, that was slick right there. Um, but they went into two overtimes. BYU getting the touchdown, failed the two-point conversion. Baylor not even able to get into the end zone. So, um, what a game. Week two was wild. Uh, BYU had over 300, 360 yards of offense. I mean, just absolutely con- destroyed that Baylor secondary with 283 passing. Rushing was a different story. You were right. You were right about this. Baylor was going to rush the football, and they did for 152. Um, BYU only had 83 yards rushing. So that Baylor rushing attack is, is something to look out for. Uh, Blake Shapin had a little bit of a rough night, only 137. So that's – I still think Baylor's oh, overall still, offense is dangerous. Absolutely. Because they have an established rush game, and they have an established quarterback in Blake Shapin. Yes, and I think this is one thing that really hurt them as well is Baylor had 14 penalties for 117 yards. Yeah. That's that's yeah, rough. That's, that's, that's that, brutal. That's going to that's gonna cost you a few football games. Uh, no turnovers, though. It was a clean football game. Uh, neither one uh, turned over the football. BYU did register four sacks mm-hmm. and five QB hurries with 47 t- or 89 total tackles. Exactly. So, I mean, good game. Great game to watch. It was a great game to watch. Utterly enjoyed it. The Communion Cup did not disappoint. The Communion, the communion Cup. cup. We're you heard it with. here first. Yep. The Communion Cup did not disappoint. The Baptists versus the Mormons. I'll be honest. I, I Once they join the Big 12, I definitely see this turning to a much bigger budding rivalry. Absolutely. More than what it already is now. Like People are still pumped about it. Somebody said last year that when BYU went into Baylor, they, uh, some guy said, you know, whoever wins, the stipulation should be they should give whoever wins gives the other their spiel, like the Mormons give the give Baylor their whole religious spiel. If if if, if BYU had won, if Baylor had won, then Baylor gives their whole Baptist religious. So they spiel. have to like sit through a sermon. They have to sit through a sermon or something oh, like that. <laughs> Which I thought, was, Lord have mercy. Would that be that'd be quite the stipulation? Would get Jim Ross out there to preach? <laughs> I, look, I'd listen to Jr. preaching, it's, but you gotta get Stoke Cold up there to go. Yeah. Austin three six. Yeah, finish that one. Um, what? What? Anyway, um, no. I again, great game that we picked. Uh, going to another great game that we picked. Yes. Mm, no media coverage whatsoever. You heard it from the Panther Pod. We know how to pick our games. We picked the game here. Marshall and Notre, Notre Dame. Dame. 
26-21, Marshall pulls off the upset. Wow, the thundering turret actually did it. Good for them. Good for them. This is, I'm going to be honest, that was great. Marshall dominated up front, straight yeah. up. Notre Dame had a hard time passing the football. They had a hard time rushing the football. I mean, it was just – I say hard time passing the football. They had a hard time just running the football in general against that Marshall front seven. Uh, Notre Dame posted 130 rushing yards and 221 passing yards. Uh, Marshall picked the ball off three times. One of those was for a pick Tyler six. Tyler Buckner and Drew Pine. Mm-hmm. Brutal. Brutal. One of those return returned for a pick six, wasn't yeah. it? And then uh, I think that was uh midway through the third, if I'm not mistaken. Yep. Marshall had a grand total of three hundred and sixty four uh offensive yards, hundred and forty five passing, two hundred and nineteen rushing. A hundred and sixteen coming or hundred and sixty three coming from their clear number one back, uh Kalen Laybourne. Hundred and sixty three over thirty one carries, averaging about five and a half yards per with uh, one touchdown and a f- long of 42. You know, it looks fairly even in terms of gameplay. Like, Marshall had 21 first downs. Notre Dame had 22. They were both four for four for 13 on third down efficiency. Fourth down efficiency, Notre Dame had the upper hand. They were two for four. Marshall was 0 for 1. Total plays, Marshall had 71. Notre Dame had 75. Marshall had to punt six times. Notre Dame punted four times. Penalties, Marshall only had six for 44 yards. Uh, Notre Dame had four for 30 yards. Going into the defense a little bit, um, Marshall had two sacks with 65 total tackles, uh, two QB hurries, which with the three interceptions you would expect the front seven to have a little bit more penetration, but – I think this is a good secondary. Complaining about it, yeah. That's a good secondary right there. Um, And with the pick six, Um, Notre Dame had 87 total tackles, uh, three sacks, and one QB hurry. So the QBs were definitely well protected um, all through the game. It's a wonder Huntington did not get burned to the ground in celebration. Huntington and um, App State. I was in. Like I Boone, saw the video, North Carolina, man. I saw the video of people storming the streets of Boone. That was insane. I know we're gonna cover that one here in a bit. Yeah, but Henry Columbia, man, just I wouldn't say popped off, but he did what he needed to do. Yeah, he won them that game. Exactly, sixteen for twenty-one, one forty-five, and a touchdown. Didn't turn the ball over. What's Marshall did not turn the ball over. No, Marshall protected the ball. Now they're two and zero. Charles Huff, man, yeah, coach, is coaching a well. Glad one West Virginia team picked the right coach. Um, thank you. I need I need to be consoled for this one. <laughs> I'm here for you, buddy. Thank you. Uh, I mean, Notre Dame just had no no answer for Marshall's rushing attack. No. Just no answer. And you say this three years ago. You have this game three years ago. Yeah, there's no Notre way. Notre Dame steamrolling. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, now this doesn't mean that uh, this does not mean that Marcus Freeman is a bad coach by any means. This no, is God, his no. Third game as a head coach, you're going to have these rough patches. Yeah. And like we said, Marshall is one of those teams that'll jump up and bite a, a Power Five any day of the week. Absolutely. Um, the Sun Belt as a whole right now dangerous is. is 
dangerous. They look better than some Power Five, Pac-12, um, Power Five conferences right now. <clears throat> they are the new American conference. Once Cincinnati, Houston, UCF, and BYU all join, no, BYU is independent, uh, but once Cincinnati, UCF, and Houston all join the Big 12, it's sun, it is Sunbelt. In Memphis, right? No. Nope. That is a hotly contested issue for conference realignment. Is mm. Memphis has been begging to be in a Power 5 for years and has not been selected. They need to be. Yep. So it's Houston, UCF, and Cincinnati who are all going, who are leaving the American. And I'm telling you right now, Sunbelt is classic college football, especially the yeah. Sunbelt East. Classic college football right there. Great division. Sums in the water out there. Yep. It's, I mean, Sunbelt football, man, is for real. Somebody, Marty Smith posted out on Twitter the other day, with, you know how they do that, SCC, SCC. He was going, SBC, SBC, SBC. Sunbelt, Sunbelt. Much better instead of SBC. Get your you're get just, your own chance. You're just mad. They can't get their own chance because they're because they're a group of five. They're not allowed to have their own chant because they're not allowed to have their own spot in the playoff because they're not their own power five. I'm just saying, man. Whatever. I'm just saying. Another Sun Belt team that uh, also had a massive, massive upset this week. Uh, the other Mountaineers. Appalachian State beat Texas A&M. I'm here for it. Only held Texas A&M to two touchdowns and 186 total yards of offense. Mm. They held Jimbo Fisher in his number one recruiting class to 186 yards of offense. 97 passing, 89 rushing. App State. 134 passing, 181 rushing. Mm. Dude. That's insane. That's they only had one wild. offensive touchdown. That's. Yeah, that's crazy. Um, Jimbo Fisher, hot seat? Or is it getting uh, a little well, warm? I, I don't. I think this is a stumbling block. I okay. don't think it's a. Hot seat. I don't think it's anything like that. I think that we're looking at a great App State team, um, and maybe a weaker A and M. Give it two seasons with that number one recruiting class. A and M's going to be just as dangerous as they were in 2014, 2015. Okay. Under Johnny Manziel. All right. Speaking of which, Johnny Manziel go tweeted out, "Hey, I got two years of eligibility left, right?" <laughs> <laughs> as much as I would love to see Johnny football in college football again, that's not happening. No, it's definitely is not happening. There's no way. Um, I mean, A&M just had a stalled offense. Only nine first downs for the entire game. Yeah. 38 total plays. Had a punt it four times. Uh, they had seven penalties for 60 yards. They lost it twice in a fumble. And their time of possession was under 20 minutes. Uh, App State's was 41 and a half minutes of possession of football. One bright spot for Texas A&M and their other touchdown came off of a kick return. Mm -hmm. Um, Devin Akain next Devin Hester. Maybe. Who knows? I I mean, mean, he posted a return of 95, uh, took it end zone to end zone basically off of that, and then uh, another return of 
what, 25, 30, somewhere in there? Yep. Yeah. I, I would say this, too, is here's also something that I would say for Texas A&M fans is you look at these numbers. All right, if you were to just no score – Look at App State's numbers. 315 total yards of offense, 134 passing, 181 rushing. Like, you, if you would look at that and swipe out App State for, say, Alabama, you would totally say that Texas A&M got walloped. Yeah. Got absolutely crushed. App State's score should be higher than what it was. Exactly. So, kudos to Texas A&M's red zone defense. Exactly. Um, but, but I think, too, for App State and Texas A&M, I think that also shows – the talent level of this talent separation that you have from a power five team to a group of five. That does yeah. not mean group of fives can't go out and compete with power fives. Obviously this week has shown that they can, Oh yeah, but it shows you the talent gap. But if this was another power five team putting up those numbers, it, this probably was, I don't know, 37, 47 to 14 yeah. instead of 17 to 14. I, I, you know, I just think that it, it this really shows the talent gap but I also think, like you said, this is a stumbling block for Texas A&M. Yeah, I don't think there's going to be any kind of long-term repercussions for Jimbo Fisher on this game. Now, if he leaves, where do you think he's going? I know where you hope he goes. Well, you know what? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't know where I don't know where he would go. He would probably go to West Virginia. He's he he gave that interview. I don't know how many of you had seen that interview, but he gives the interview that you know, home is home. He would love to come home and coach the Mountaineers. He gets it. He understands the culture. He, you know, he repeatedly said, home is home. But, you know, I'm going to be honest too, Cole. Like, looking at this, do I want Jimbo Fisher there? Like we said, this is a stumbling block. So, if I had Jimbo, my – If I had my – Or Neil Brown. Oh, I'm definitely taking Jimbo. Yeah. I'm definitely taking Jimbo. Because Jimbo's also one – But here's, here's the upside to Jimbo is Jimbo has had years – um, at least over a decade, at least over a decade of Power Five experience. He's been at West Virginia before. He won a national championship with Florida State. So Jimbo knows what uh, Jimbo knows what it takes to win. Quick shout out: um, you brought up Florida State, mm-hmm. uh, New Orleans Saints. Ate that W today. <laughs> stole some crab legs from the Atlanta Falcons. Um, <clears throat> Famous Jameis. Famous Jameis, baby, went off <laughs> two touchdowns. Let's go. I knew that's why you were bringing Jameis Winston for MVP. I'm already convinced. <laughs> I mean, there's Josh Allen and a few nah, others. No, 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 no. Jameis Winston Jameis is the only Winston. quarterback who matters in the NFL. <laughs> okay. <laughs> He's the next Brett Favre. All right, I'll ask you this. Drew Brees or Jameis Winston? <laughs> right now, Jameis Winston. <laughs> right now. Okay. Okay. Right now. Right now. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I, I mean, I would be fine if Jimbo Fisher came in, brought some of his recruits over from Texas A&M to West Virginia, and if, the, if that ship were to ever go down and burn and things, you know. Yeah, and I, I think if Jimbo leaves Texas A&M, we're seeing a Lincoln Riley kind of departure where he's bringing the top recruits that he brought into Texas A&M. <clears throat> Excuse me. He's bringing the top recruits that he brought in from Texas A&M to West Virginia, like how Lincoln Riley did from Oklahoma to USC. I got you. So, I don't know. It's just it's a fun speculative or speculative question. It is. Um, and speaking of head coaches and new head coach hires, mm. Scott Frost announced today, September 11th, 2022, 
fired from Nebraska after losing to Georgia Southern 45-42. to Oof. Nebraska said, we ain't having this no more. I don't blame them. And, again, Nebraska had over 500 yards, almost 600 yards of offense. Yeah. Georgia Southern did have over 600 yards of offense. Yeah. That, I mean. I think this is a very well put together Nebraska team. And I don't know how much of the blame is on Scott Frost. I think a lot of it at this point is on Scott Frost for not having your guys ready for losing all of these 50-50 football games, but also 50-50 football games you shouldn't be in. Nebraska should not be losing to Georgia Southern, who was coached by Clay Helton, who, oh, by the way, got fired from USC last year, and that team went 4-8. and Yeah. So, I mean, you should not be losing – to Georgia Southern, like that's just that's unacceptable. You were taking, you were literally on the ropes with an FCS team, North Dakota, last week. Man, no defense whatsoever. No, and then just lost, and then lost to Northwestern in Ireland. I, I, I mean, there's no. There, you, this is what year five for Scott Frost. Yeah. As a Nebraska fan, I'd absolutely be fed up. I feel your pain. Yeah. I feel your pain because as a West Virginia fan, I'm going through that right now. I was I was so I've been seeing all this stuff about Scott Frost and just been in constant denial that that's not going to happen to us that that's not our coach we're going to turn the corner we're going to turn the corner and then I realized wait a minute Nebraska fans have been saying the same things because you know why Scott Frost did really well at UCF took them to their um, 2017 national championship stop that was him um, and then I, gets I know it was him. But come, no, no, no. Oh, I'm not saying. I'm just. I, I'd say that to rattle your cage a little bit, and I understand <laughs> that. Um, but I mean, and then gets hired at Northwest at Nebraska, and now look, yeah, look at uh, Neil Brown. Neil Brown did wonderful at Troy, beat uh, LSU at home, and then beat Nebraska as well. Nebraska, another team, you know, and, and yeah, you. <laughs> I brought that pain back up for you, didn't I? Didn't I? Um. So I mean, yeah, they they're very similar coaches. That this is, yeah, it's yeah. Sometimes power power five football is just not it. Like some coaches, it's not for everybody. It's not for everybody. Um, it sucks that you have to find out this way because it sets your program back so many years. But we'll get. And to I more. mean, also, and last thing, yeah, yeah, go ahead. on Nebraska. Nebraska showed that they are a very good offensive team. Yes, with Casey Thompson. Um. 318, one touchdown offensively passing. Um, but their rushing attack, whew, 257 for five touchdowns. Mm-hmm. You don't get that from a team that's not well coached. Yeah. Do I think they need to be more aggressive in the red zone? Absolutely. Yes. Because I think that solves these 50-50 games. You need to go for it more on fourth downs, and you need to hire a coach who is capable of taking or making those tough decisions. So with that in mind, let me be the first to say it. Ed Orgeron, 
He's going to be the Nebraska Cornhuskers. No, 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 Please, no, 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 no. Please, please, no, 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 no. Mickey Joseph is the interim head coach. Please, no, 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 no. Ed Ozeron, no, you need to stay back east. Please, please, please stay east. Please stay, Coach O, please. Go Tigers. Go Tigers. Go, come on. Go, go. Uh, go, uh, go, go, corn Oscars. Yeah, yeah. No, Coach O, please, please stay back east a little bit, just for a little bit longer. See I how figured, things shake I figured out. you would appreciate that. Please, please stay back east for a little bit. I just see how things shake out in West Virginia. We very much like LSU. <laughs> Uh, please, you love Bob Huggins. There's there's a lot of drinking. There's a lot of pu- there's a lot of bars in Mount Morgantown. Please, Ed. Please, please, Coach O. Just, just see for a little bit. See how things shake out. Please. I'm begging of you. I think Nebraska um, finishes out the season with their interim and waits until the offseason. Oh, 100%. To see what the co- because there's no need for them to hire a head coach midway through the season. Like, no, that's, that's ridiculous. Because now you're all of a sudden starting from step one in the middle of the season. If you're trying to make a bowl game, that's not going to be okay. Um, so yeah, we're gonna get to my distraught here in a few minutes. Going, excuse me, going from D one to D three. Let's talk about the ODAC, man. Week two in the ODAC. Not over yet. Not over yet, because apparently, as of this moment, as we're recording, uh, Shenandoah and NC Wesleyan are currently playing. We don't have uh, live stats. We don't have a box score, anything like that. There's no kind of coverage on it. We're assuming, though, that they're playing because it's highlighted on the ODAC website. And it does say start of first still. Um, But you know what happens when you assume, Cole. Yeah. And I'll leave that up to the audience to make conclusions. Risque, Pod. <laughs> Risque, round. Pantherpod after dark. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. Um, but no, um, coming into the ODAC, Hampton Sydney losing Take to Widener. Uh, 31-27. Randolph-Macon destroying Catholic, 41-7. We'll save that next one. We'll cover that at the end. Uh, <clears throat> wasn't good. Um, Washington and Lee crushed Suwanee. 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 Uh, 44 nothing. Bridgewater beat Southern Virginia 58-10. Another beat down. Yeah. Uh, brutal. Guilford. Poor, poor Guilford. Poor Guilford. Lost to Methodist 49-16. And Averett beating CNU yes. 24-20. Pulling out a close one there. Yep. Um, so what do you take away from this? What do you take away from the ODAC? I think it's the usual suspects. Obviously, Randolph-Macon, Washington, and Lee um, doing their thing. Yep. Uh, Bridgewater all of a sudden is back up, it appears, after this one game to where they have been. Uh, Hampton-Sydney, is this the year that we see them fall off? Um, Averett, are they taking that void that Hampton-Sydney's leaving behind? Yeah. But again, speculation. We haven't gotten into conference play. That'll be um, starting on Saturday, October 1st. Conference play starts for ODAC. Yep. Across the board. Now. (laughs) (laughs) um, Wow, this is sad. Yeah. It won't be sad after the segment. We just, it's like a band-aid. You just kind of got (laughs) to rip it off real quick. Um, Ferrum played Muskingum. 
who we thought, after looking at last year, Ferrum had a great chance to win this game. We were severely wrong because the Fighting Muskies, I mean, slapped Ferrum around. Yeah. Um, 31-3 was the final score. Again, it's not conference play. There's no need to panic. But come on. Yeah, no. Offense, um, like, and and we're not try- we're not trying to be disrespectful to Ferrum, but we're fans first and foremost. We are frustrated. And we've said we've said worse things about our own program than what we're about to say. We're going to say worse things about our our D one program. Uh, I'm going to say some pretty rough things about. My I'm not going to say too many rough things this week. No, but Seth Deaton. Offensive standout this week. Special um, teams standout. Yeah, special team or no <laughs> special teams and offensive standout this cool. week. Way to go, Seth. Um posting our only three points midway through the first quarter. Yikes. Um some stats for you. Musk and gum, twenty one first downs, Ferrum, ten. Um Muskingum had 73 total offensive plays. Ferrum had 61. Uh, 181 passing yards for Muskingum to Ferrum's 99. 15 for 25. Uh, 7.2 net yards per pass. Rushing for Muskingum, 180 over 48 rushing attempts. Uh, and they punted five times. For Ferrum... Uh, total offensive plays, I know I said it before, just kind of keeping it consistent. 61, net yards passing, 99, 14 for 31, uh, with one interception. Um, net yards rushing for Ferrum, 98, over 30 rushing attempts, with an average of 3.3. We punted the ball eight times. Ouch. Yeah. Offense is just not clicking. This game, and then and then on on that turn is your defense is then coming out, and they're gassed a little bit because they're out they're on they're out there so much, and your offense is not it can't it can't do anything, you know. On average, Ferrum was out there for uh, twenty three minutes with the ball. Musk and Gum out there for thirty six minutes. With the ball, I mean that's that's over. That is a thirteen minute difference that your defense is out there. That's thirteen minutes longer that your defense is out there. One did. bright spot for Ferrum. Um, they did have two takeaways, mm-hmm. but weren't able to capitalize. Nope. Um, again, well uh, disciplined team. Only two penalties for eighteen yards uh, this game. Musk and Gum had six for fifty eight. But I mean, total offensive yards, Muss and Gum dominated. 361 total offensive yards. They had 181 passing yards and 180 rushing yards. I think something that we're seeing, Cole, is as much as the offense wants to go air raid, they want to go high flying, flashy, up tempo, whatever you want to say. It all comes down to fundamentals, and it all comes down to old-school power football as well. If you can yeah. run the ball and dominate in the trenches up front, you're going to win that football game. Yep. Now, then there's West Virginia, who scores almost 200 rushing yards against Pitt, and they still lose. That's besides the point. Um, 
Oof. Oof. Still, yep. But I think that's that's a that is a common thread that we're seeing. Marshall won the Notre Dame game by rushing. Yeah. App State also rushed the ball really well. The only one that we didn't really see rush the ball really well and not win the only one that we saw that didn't rush the ball really well and not win the game was BYU. Yeah. Didn't didn't break a hundred yards. Still won the game though. But they put up the the good passing yards and the good offensive numbers on that that end of the offense well, to win and, the game. And it speaks to something for college football and football in general is you see so many teams going to the Cliff Klingsbury or uh, Zach Taylor air raid, like Texas Tech, Oregon-style offenses where – you know, you're running the triple option, you're running that air raid offense, you're operating out of shotgun mostly, and all of a sudden you come up you come up against a team who has had a dominant rushing attack all year and you get your teeth knocked in. Yeah. Because they're not playing pretty football. They're playing football. Exactly. They're playing tough, hard nosed down home football. Why do you think Randolph Macon wins the conference almost every year, if not every other year? Because they run the football downhill. They dominate up, dominate yeah. up front, and it doesn't matter if they have the fastest running back or not. You don't need the fastest running back no, sometimes, God, no. as long as you're chugging away at five, four to five yards each play. You you have a great shot at winning that game. So, Farum, they're looking they're looking a little sluggish. They got to score points. Yeah. Over these past two games, they've scored a total of thir- uh, 12 points. Mm. Over the past two games. Now, and I'm not making excuses for Farum. Not this week. Last week, I'll make all the excuses in the world. They were up against a D2 opponent. That step up in competition is real. Mm-hmm. Um, but on the flip side, you saw, what, five Division One F. BS teams beat ranked FCS opponents this week. Mm-hmm. Um, you mean the other way around? Yes. Excuse me. Excuse me. No, Sorry. You're fine. <laughs> um, my fault. Um, no, I mean it, it's absolutely ridiculous. Um, Ferrum is on the road next week against Lagrange. We'll talk a little bit more about that on Wednesday. Um, again. Non-conference game doesn't really matter in the overhaul, but that can't be a good thing to happen in the locker room. No. Like, you know the players are going to be down in the dumps. They're starting out 0-2. We have to win against LaGrange or LaGrange, however you want to say it. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, no. <sighs> it's – I mean, we. I don't think we predicted them going 0-2 in their non-conference. No. In their first three games, I think I think the worst that we predicted was two and one with them dropping the game to UVA. Was yeah, so I mean it's not time to panic. It's only week two, but that that offense needs to it's it's needs to step it up needs a little bit because if your offense steps up, then that helps out on the back end with defense as well. Yeah, because your defense isn't as gas, and you're not spending forty six minutes out on the field. Yeah, like as much as you love to see a defensive game. You don't want to see your defense being out there yep. that yep. long because they're going to get gassed. Look at what happened in the BYU game against Baylor. Yep. <laughs> yep. That, yep. It was the altitude, and it was BYU controlling the football. It's, but um, anyway, moving on from the ODAC. And Ferrum. 
and Farum going into the AP poll. I cannot express to you, and please let me start this segment off. Yeah, go ahead. Um, the number one team from the SEC is Georgia. When I tell you I am so excited not to have to talk about... Now, granted, Alabama's number two, but Alabama does not have the big one next to it now. Georgia comes in at number one after beating Samford 33 to nothing. Alabama falls one spot after beating, barely beating Texas 20 to 19. Ohio State, number three, 2 and 0, beat Arkansas State 45 12. Michigan, number four, beat Hawaii 56 10. Clemson stays the same, number five, after beating Furman 35 12. Out of the top five teams, four of those games were blowouts, as they should be. If you are the best five schools in the nation, you should have no problem crushing anyone you come up against. And Alabama is still ranked number two. Anyway, moving on. (laughs) Number six is Oklahoma. Number seven, USC. Number eight is Oklahoma State. Number nine, Kentucky, moving up 11 spots after beating Florida 26-16. And rounding out the top 10 is Arkansas after beating South Carolina 44-30. How about that Kentucky game, though, against Florida? I didn't think Florida should have been ranked number 12th whatsoever. absolutely. And I think we said that at the start of the season. Yeah, like they shouldn't have been ranked number 12th. They shouldn't have been ranked at all. Granted, they beat Utah, but still. I mean, mean, 2-0 Kentucky – after a pretty impressive win against a name like Florida, they're solid. Yeah, I'm impressed. Uh, another contender for the SEC East. Uh, coming in at number 11 in Michigan State, who's bumped up three spots, 52 to nothing against My boy. Akron. Against Akron. Shout out Ethan Berger. Uh, number 12 is BYU, moving up nine spots. We talked about this earlier, beating Baylor 26 to 20. Miami. Not Ohio, Florida. We know Miami, Ohio, big name, you know, big fans, big program. <laughs> Miami, Miami moves up two spots. Uh, they took a. That's no, not they won. Right. They won against say, Southern Miss. That says a loss against Southern Miss. Yeah. No, 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 no. They, they beat, won thirty to seven. They beat Southern Miss thirty to seven. Uh, Utah moves down one spots after. Absolutely curb stomping Southern Utah, seventy three to seven. Yeah, that was brutal. Ooh, uh, Tennessee moves up nine spots after beating Pitt, thirty four to twenty seven. Go Bulls. Yep. NC State comes in at sixteen, moving up two spots. Absolutely dominating Charleston Southern, fifty five to three. Baylor drops eight spots at number seventeen, losing to BYU, twenty six to twenty. Personal opinion. Should not have dropped eight. I don't think they should drop eight either. I think I think they should be twelve, and BYU needs to be a hair higher, like eleven. I think it should yeah, be yeah, like ten or eleven. I mean, I get it. You lose to the twenty-first ranked team in the nation, but still, I mean, BYU is yeah. not a bad team. No, uh, coming in at number eighteen is Florida, dropping drop six, six, 
losing to Kentucky, obviously, 26-16. Hate to see it. Wake Forest comes in at 19th, uh, at 19th, up four spots after beating Vanderbilt 45-25. to <laughs> So much for that 2-0 start, Vanderbilt. Man, I didn't realize beating Vandy was all it took to uh, move up get four ranked. Spot. Yeah. yeah, move up four spots. Uh, Ole Miss comes in. They move up two spots to number 20, and they – Again, curb stomp Central Arkansas, fifty nine to three. Texas stays where they're at at twenty one. Horns lost to Alabama. Horns down. Penn State stays where they're at at twenty second with a win against Ohio, forty six to ten. Pitt lost uh, to Tennessee, obviously thirty four twenty seven. Dropped six spots. You love to see it. Good. Um, they they they're twenty third. 24th, Texas A&M. They dropped 18 spots after a loss to Appalachian State. An unranked and, App State. An unranked Appalachian State. And then Oregon comes in uh, 25th after beating Eastern Washington 70-14. to 14. Others receiving votes. Um, we'll cover some of them. Or we'll cover all of them real quick. Marshall got 85 votes. Pretty good. Well-deserved. Um, Cincinnati. 80 votes, App State, 80 votes, uh, K-State, 77, uh, UNC, 71 votes, Mississippi State, 43, Florida State, 42, Oregon State, 42, Minnesota, 37, Washington State, 30, Notre Dame, boo, uh, received 23 votes after losing to, you know, Marshall, but that's neither here nor there, (laughs) should not have received votes anyway. Um, Air Force, after their win, received 19 over Colorado, I believed. Uh, Texas Tech received 17. Wisconsin received 7. Auburn received 4. Iowa State received 4. And the Boilermakers received 1. Iowa State won a big rivalry game this week. Beat Iowa 10-7. to Snapped a six-game losing streak for that series. Good. Texas Tech went down to the wire with Houston and beat Houston. Um if you notice something, Cole, I don't know if you notice this or not. Please tell me the first three teams. What's the conference they're in? Marshall. Uh huh. Cincinnati. App State. What conference are those teams in? ACC. No, no. SEC, right? No, 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 no. Um, the Pac-12. God, it's it's right on the tip of my the tongue. Big Twelve. Uh, um, it's um. It, it's not. Uh, that's not a Power Five conference. No, is it? it's not. No, the AAC, Cincinnati is a part of, Marshall and App State are part of the the SBC, the Sun Belt. The next three teams to to have been ranked are all Sun Belt teams who all won this week. Uh, Not Cincinnati. Not Cincinnati. They had a... But, yeah. 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 They they did not play this week. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But either way... Either way. Yeah. Um, do I think Love Marshall and App State could beat Oregon? Yes. Yep. Could they beat Texas A&M? Oh, wait. <laughs> <laughs> Oof. Oof. Yeah, how is App State not ranked? <laughs> they should be. Hey, game days come to Boone, North Carolina next week. I'm here for it. As, I- as the Mountaineers of Appalachian State take on What a week. Troy. What a week. App State's going to crush Troy. They should. Yeah, they, they should. absolutely should. They absolutely should. Um, 
Oh, here's a headline uh, that I just read under the a- underneath the AP poll. Nebraska fires Frost. AD Alberts says 61, 16 and 31, not acceptable. Fair enough. Yeah. Just a little plug right there for Nebraska football. Speaking of Nebraska football, we're going to talk about LSU. <laughs> I don't know how that translates, how that transitions. Good segue. Good segue. Great segue. You know, they're only a couple thousand miles apart. Um, speaking of being a couple thousand miles apart, Southern and LSU are not a couple thousand miles apart. No. They were on Saturday. Yeah. On the 65 field. to freaking 17, baby. Go Tigers. We love Go to Tigers. see it. We love to see it. In Brian Kelly's first home game, he absolutely crushes Southern, as he should have. Wasn't last week really y'all's first home? Stop. (laughs) Stop talking. (laughs) Let me enjoy this. Um, Neusmeyer got the start over Jaden Daniels. Or no, he... No, Garrett Newsmeyer came in in the fourth quarter um, after Jaden Daniels had thrown for three touchdowns and Newsmeyer threw two interceptions and 183 yards. So, no QB competition. Um, offensively, I mean, LSU was rolling. Our run game was there, posting 230 total rushing yards. Passing game, 320 through Newsmeyer and Daniels. Uh, Malik Neighbors absolutely carried the team on his back. Uh, Kayshawn Boot, another not great game coming out of him. And again, I think it has more so. I think it has a lot to do with Jaden Daniels not recognizing where his top talent is. Um, do I think that Kayshawn Boot transfers out of LSU at the end of the season? Possibly. How sad. How sad would you be if that happened? I would be sad. I mean, I think he's a heck of an athlete, but at the same time, the diva era of LSU with like Odell, Jarvis, everything like that, that's over. This is this is Brian Kelly. This is team football, and you can see that across the stats. Um I think our run game was definitely more improved. Obviously, Jane Daniels didn't have as much uh, luck running the ball this week, but I think, you know, um, I think LSU is right where they need to be. Uh, we need to be two and zero heading into Mississippi State, but we dropped a game we should have won to Florida, or Florida State. Um, Southern posted two hundred and one rushing yards total, and sixty one yards through the air. Shut them down. DBU is back, baby. <laughs> now, if you can just get front seven U back. Yeah, well. Um, <laughs> we didn't lose any fumbles, and we forced four fumbles. Nice. So, talking about front seven. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right yeah, there. Yeah. Um, but you did turn over the ball twice. Hey, look, that's fine. Um. Giving them is it fine you when know, you turn the ball over twice it, when Alabama's in town? It, it mm. when Mississippi's in town, mm. when Ole Miss is in town. Mm. How about Arkansas now? What? What? <laughs> <laughs> Arkansas? Um, 
What? Mississippi? What? Ole Miss? What? Alabama? What? I ran out of teams. All right, now we're going to now, yeah, now we're gonna get uh, copyright claimed from <laughs> WWE. Oh, no. <laughs> um, but no, I, I to think To be the man, was, you got to beat the man. Woo! Um, I think that LSU is right where they need to be. Um, going into a very dangerous team, which we'll cover on Wednesday with Mississippi State. Um. <clears throat> I don't expect them to be ranked um, as they shouldn't be because they did exactly what everyone thought they were going to do to Southern. Um, I think Southern put up a good fight, especially in the third and fourth quarter, you know, when LSU was putting in their second and third team. But, um, yeah, I, I thought it was a good game. I thought it was a very well-coached game from Brian Kelly. And that's all I have to say about that. Um, you, do you want me to open it up? It must be nice. <laughs> that's all I got to. That's all I got to say about that. Um, must be nice to have a well coached game. Mm. Must be nice to have a defense out on that field. Mm. <sighs> hey, Owen. Yeah. One thing that I that I am gonna bring to your attention. Yep. Um. Four minutes left in the third quarter, West Virginia had a 65.4% chance of winning the game. Yep. Yep. So, West Virginia literally loses to the bottom feeder of the Big 12. Not anymore. (laughs) (sighs) Wow. Okay. Um... I'm going to leave. Uh, <laughs> 55-42 is the final score for West Virginia. I mean, dude, how do you – how does West Virginia put up fo- over 500 yards of offense and still lose the game? Over 359 yards of passing. Kansas was able to put over 200 yards through the air and exactly 200 yards on the ground. How do you lose to Kansas? Yes, they're an approved Kansas team. An approved Kansas team that went three and nine last year. There's or or two and ten, whatever they went. Yeah, two and ten. And then, they, you know, storm the field. But Yeah. It's fine. How? How do you lose to Kansas? How do you lose to Kansas? Oh, I know how you lose. In overtime by two possessions. Because you throw a pick six, granted. Those things happen. JT played a great game. Yeah, the the fault is not on JT Daniels. JT Daniels was 28 for 40, 359 touchdowns. 355 <laughs> yards. Boy, I'd love it if he got 359 touchdowns. 359 yards, three touchdowns, and an interception. And the interception did come in overtime. Overtime. Um, would not, should not have been a pick six. No. Because if you're a smart football player, as soon as you get the ball in your hands in overtime, you go out of bounds yeah. to seal the game. Yep. Um, no, we watched the close of this game last night, um, and I see what you mean. Also, but here's what I want to talk about on coaching-wise, too, is you, you're, there's no hustle. you got three 
three, four minutes left in the game, and you're just running the ball, running, running, running. You're down by two possessions. You're down by two possessions, and you're running the football when you have a stellar quarterback in the pocket. Yeah, Graham Harrell needs to – I don't know if it's Graham Harrell. I don't know if it's Graham Harrell because who's the head coach? Neil Brown. How We saw this last week against Pitt. How much is Neil Brown letting Graham Harrell run the offense and how much is Neil Brown actually running the offense? Well, and at the end of last season, Neil Brown came out and said – or at, was it at the end of last season or was it uh, midway through the offseason? Uh, uh, both, both. Okay. Neil Brown said that Graham Harrell was going to be the offensive play caller. Oh, yeah, no, it was halfway through the offseason. Halfway yeah. through the offseason. Um, was that Neil Brown making a smart business decision from his standpoint to still maintain control of the offense and put the blame on Graham Harrell? Did he say that because he knew his seat was getting warm? I don't know. I think it's also that Neil Brown is attention to detail on some things, and there are some things he really likes to control that he doesn't want to control. If you remember, he was known as an offensive guru at Troy. Like, for group of five coaches, this man was unstoppable. Where is that now? You are in year four at West Virginia, and you are 17 for 20. And you just lost the first night home game in four years to lowly Kansas. You mean number one ranked team in the Big 12, Kansas. Cole, I am going to come across this table and smack you. <laughs> Lord have mercy. I. <laughs> this is ridiculous. This is ridiculous. Me and my dad were talking last night, and he was like, Neil Brown's got to go. He, dad, dad was like, Neil Brown has got to go. And you know what? I think I'm finally to that point. I think I'm, I'm, I'm finally to that point that – I'm not seeing improvement. I grant, Granted, it's the first two games of the season, but so what? First two games of, the, of year four. Year four, and we're seeing the same mistakes over and over and over again. You're seeing the same dumb, dumb penalties. You're, you're seeing the same players, four, fourth and fifth-year starters, who are not mentally prepared for a game. That falls on the coaches for not getting your guys mentally prepared. The two players who saved you last night, JT Daniels and Bryce Ford Wheaton. Yes. Yeah. Everyone else. Well, and can you, you, you can also you can say CJ Donaldson in there too. And Tony Mathis, who yep. did really well. Uh, Sam James had had a heck of a game. Four four receptions for ninety one yards. And Caden Prather had six receptions six receptions for seventy nine yards. Your rushing attack. Your yardage isn't there, even though the play calling is there in the fourth or in the late third and early fourth quarter. Yeah. Where are the numbers to back that up? And I, I'm not saying that on I'm not putting the blame on Mathis. I'm not putting the blame on Donaldson. I'm putting the blame on your offensive line and your because you can't run block. You absolutely can't. I don't. I mean, but you you went 146. But still, last week we that's went, across three backs. Yeah, but and, but here's the thing too is, uh, last uh, how good is Pitt's front seven? Pretty good. Yeah, they're a they're They've a good shown team. That this week, yeah. Too. Um, and you put and you posted almost 200 yards of rushing offense against them. 
Kansas put 200 on your defense. Our defense, where was our defense this game? Where was our defense this Non-existent. game? Non-existent. Non-existent. There were holes wide as the Grand Canyon. It was unbelievable. Jalen Daniels, the Kansas quarterback, just tore you up. Uh, he did. He did. Tore us up on the ground. I will say, Kansas is a much improved team. There is some life in Kansas now yeah. that I have not seen since West Virginia has been in the Big 12. No. And – I mean, this is ridiculous. There is no reason you should have lost to Kansas at home. No. As a West Virginia fan, I'll say this, as a West Virginia fan, I am not going against the team. I am going against my coaching staff because that is utterly unacceptable. Yep. Absolutely unacceptable. There is no reason that you should have lost, should have lost to Kansas. Oh, and by the way, Kansas, you didn't even get a turnover from Kansas. You lost you uh you had two turnovers, one fumble and a, and of course that interception right there at the end. There is absolutely no reason for West Virginia to lose to Kansas. The player, and I know we were talking about this last night cuz we heard it over the broadcast and I'm sorry for bringing it up again. No, you're fine. But um it was Kobe Bryant. Oh, it was Kobe Bryant. It's okay. It's not Colby Bryant. So it's C O B E E. Gotcha. But still, still, I mean, Kobe. But you know, I'm I'm fed up. I'm fed up. West Virginia used to be fun and exciting football and stress Virginia for a reason. What is it now, Cole? These past four years so far, what is it? Mundane, boring. Uh, roll over and die. Yeah, pretty much because you don't want to take chances on the field. Well, guess what? Guess where not taking chances has put you? It's put you in the same position as if you lost games taking chances. Yep. On the hot seat. On the hot seat. Oh, Neil Brown's seat is on fire. It right is now. on fire. Do, and I'll ask you this, Cole. Does Neil Brown, at this point, we're looking at this point, how far does Neil Brown make it into the season? Or does he even make it through the rest of the season? I think he makes it through the rest of the season because I think West Virginia, your athletic director and your your president of operations is smart enough to realize that if they fire Neil Brown midway through the season, that's admitting defeat. I think Neil Brown already admits defeat enough in his games to not warrant that. Um, I think Neil Brown makes it to the offseason, and then West Virginia lets him go. And they're all talking about that buyout. That buyout uh, in December, if they fire Neil Brown, is $16.5 million. And it, I, I get it. For West Virginia, that is big chump change. But is but how much chump, how much change are you going to get after you fire him and then go get somebody better? Go get an Ed Orgeron. Go get uh, maybe a Jimbo. If you, Less miles. Or I don't know if Les Miles would be interested in coaching. Um, some are calling for Rich Rod back. I, no, I, I think that that would just be a bad. That's yeah, because I think I think what you hit with Rich Rod was um, was kind of a gold mine right there a little bit. You had Pat White, Steve Slayton. I think the talent was there more so for Rich Rod, and I mean that could speak to his recruiting. It could, yeah. But I I'm not ready. I'm I don't want. 
to bring Rich Broad back. I'm not ready to bring Rich Broad back because we saw what he did at Michigan. We saw what he did at Arizona. He was uh, often – saw what he did at Houston, too. He saw what he did at Houston, saw what he was like at uh, as the Ole Miss offensive coordinator slash uh, O-lines coach, and now he's at an FCS team, Jacksonville State, who will be moving up to group of five uh, like within the next year or two to Conference USA. But I'm – I. I mean, I'm I'm done. I'm done. I'm tired of turning on a West Virginia football game and being bored. Because that's not what West Virginia football has ever been. You've had players like Major Harris and Pat White and Steve Slayton. You've I mean, and Geno Smith and Tavon Austin. Where do these guys come from? They they were they were good. They were exciting. They won you football games. If you could, if you put the right coach in there, they were gonna win you football games. And we haven't won very many football games. Nope. 17 for tw- 17 and 20 in four years is unacceptable. That's a Jeff Fisher. Yeah. Line. Yeah. That's literally Jeff Fisher. As absolutely, Shoot for 500. Yeah. Which is ridiculous. Absolutely unacceptable. If I'm a coach, I'm going out there to win. Yeah. Maybe Neil Brown doesn't have what it takes to be at the Power Five level. It certainly seems that way. If you, I mean, this is ridiculous. Yeah. You can't beat Kansas. No. Are you freaking kidding me? After almost beating Pitt last year or last week, I'm just now this makes me worried to go into Virginia Tech. You know, I'm okay. I'm even a little nervous for Townsend now, who I shouldn't be, but I'm I'm nervous to go into Tech now. Oh, and by the way, we're gonna walk into Austin in three weeks. And what, who do they just go toe-to-toe with with a backup QB? Alabama. Oh, and then, by the way, you got Baylor coming in next, uh, coming in soon after. At least you don't play Marshall this year. Oh, Marshall for sure would just beat us. 12-0? 12-1. Oh, my gosh. I just – dude, I can't, man. I can't do this anymore. Yeah. It's, it's deteriorating it's on my health. <laughs> I just – I'm need, upset. You need a mental health day. I am upset. I need a West Virginia win season is what I need. I need a West Virginia win day. Jeez. I'm – I don't – I just don't know. I don't know. What are your thoughts on this whole thing? Casey Legg, great kicker. His name is Leg for a reason. <laughs> um – your offense is there with JT Daniels. I mean, you've got all the talent in the world on your defense. Didn't show it last night. No. Um, didn't register a sack on either side of the ball. Um, like, West Virginia didn't give up a sack, and they didn't get any sacks. And see, that's the thing, too, is like – this, the West Virginia has been a staple. Like, since Neil Brown has been there, the one thing that has improved – is the, the defense. defense. His defense was a staple. And 63 total tackles and one QB hurry. You're not winning games like that. No. No. I just I just don't understand. Like, is it is it we can't have our cake and eat it too? Like, either the defense is good and your offense suffers, or your offense is good and your defense suffers. This is the worst game since the Baylor game last year that I've seen this defense play, play as bad as they have. Yeah. Um. You definitely have bright spots on your roster, and your talent is there. I 
I'm with you. I think it all comes down to the coaching staff. I mean, now, granted, Neil Brown isn't out there you know, he's taking not snaps. Yeah. He's not catching bombs. He's not doing anything like that. Bryce Ford Wheaton and JT Daniels are. Tony Mathis is out there. CJ Donaldson is out there. And they're making doing plays. Those things. Yeah. And it's not showing in your games. Because this was a close... And realistically, this would have been a close game if he would not have returned the pick six. Well, but here, yeah, it was a, yeah. But here's the thing, too, is like. It should not have been a close game. It should not have been a close game. Going into the second quarter, we were up 21 to 7. 21 to 7. How, how do you lose a 14 point lead to Kansas? How does Kansas score 55 points on your team? This is ridiculous. I'm, I just, I'm done. I'm just done. This is okay. That's fine. I'm so upset. I'm so upset. Wednesday we will cover um, next week. Um, obviously, LSU plays Mississippi State. Going to be an exciting game. We'll talk about it more on Wednesday. Farum plays Lagrange. Who does West Virginia play? Uh, Townsend. Townsend. FCS opponent. Oh. Should be a win. But you know what? I said that last week against Kansas. Yeah. Um, we didn't go 0-4. No, we went 1-3. Yeah. Um, because Farham lost, West Virginia lost, and, oh, by the way, the high school lost well. Yeah. Um, but, hey, I mean, I'm, I'm pretty – I'm I'm pretty happy. We're playing 2K after this. <laughs> That's fine. Or Mario Kart. Either way, you you deserve a win. Don't um, you give me a win either. I don't need I don't need your charity. I don't need your petty. No. You're gonna need our charity once Ed Orgeron comes to West Virginia. If he has no scandals. <laughs> That's all I'm asking for, Ed. No scandals and wins. That's not too much to ask. Please. That's who I'm eyeing for. Oh man. Anything else? I'm going to cry now. <laughs> okay. I'm going to um, go cry. I think that about wraps us up. Um, like I said, LSU has Mississippi State. Farham has LaGrange. West Virginia plays Townsend. Should be an exciting week of college football next week. We'll bring it to you on Wednesday evening. Yep. With that, my name's Cole Connor. I am the very sad and upset Owen's opponent. And you are listening to the Panther Pod. <laughs>